for joining us on Radio Free Georgia's In Tune to Nature program. I'm host Carrie Freeman coming to you from Atlanta in May of 2020. And today we're going to talk about the ways that we in the United States participate in the global trade in wild animals and how we can instead be part of the solution to strategically support the growing calls to end the wildlife trade. As a ban would reduce the spread of zoonotic infectious diseases like the current coronavirus, as well as protect species from extinction and protect millions of individual animals from suffering and exploitation. Our guest tonight is longtime wildlife advocate, attorney Alice Stroud, a director at Born Free USA. Born Free USA is a nonprofit advocacy organization and their website says, we work tirelessly to ensure that all wild animals, whether living in captivity or in the wild, are treated with compassion and respect. We work across the world to preserve and protect wildlife and its natural habitat, finding compassionate conservation solutions to so that humans and wildlife can coexist peacefully. The Born Free charity started back in the 1980s by the British actors that starred in the movie Born Free about the rehabilitation of a lioness named Elsa back in when they um, rehabilitated her back into the wild. You might remember that movie. Their website is bornfreeusa.org. And their hashtag, I love it, is keep wildlife in the wild. Joining us is Alice Stroud, the organization's director of Africa policy and capacity building. Let me tell you about her. Alice is a French lawyer who specializes in international environmental and natural resources law. She has 12 years of experience leading Africa-based capacity building programs. Her current focus is developing the ability of African governments to fight wildlife crime and building consensus between African countries to conserve shared resources and implement international agreements. Prior to joining Born Free in 2015, Alice served for almost 10 years as the coordinator of the Francophone Africa Bureau of the Species Survival Network. During part of that time, Alice also served as acting secretariat and advisor to the African Elephant Coalition. Before that, Alice worked as a policy advocate for the Whale and Dolphin Conservation Society. Alice obtained an LLM in Natural and Environmental Resources Law from Lewis and Clark Law School, a French Diploma in Advanced Studies from University of Paris, and a Master's Degree in International and European Law from the University of Amiens, France. Welcome, Alice. Thank you for being part of this Zoom meeting all the way from France. Oh, hi, Carrie. Thank you for having me on. Yeah. Well, Alice, since you deal with so many people around the world, do you see evidence that nations are beginning to understand how the global trade in wild animals, including at wet markets, is largely to blame for the spread of many dangerous infectious diseases in humans, like the COVID-19 crisis that's currently devastating the world? Well, I carry, yes, I think it's definitely on everybody's minds. And I think that it is this COVID-19 spread, uh, despite all of its devastating cons consequences, is having a, a very positive impact in trying to raise awareness about the need to bring wildlife trade to an end, uh, not only because of the zoonotic diseases link, which is now has been um, well spread and well known, but also for the need to try to ensure that we can deal with its conservation impact as well. Definitely. And do you think that this current pandemic is creating more political will, maybe for public health reasons, for nations to pass laws banning what is now legal trade in wild animals? 
Yes, I think as part of the discussion, there is growing awareness that um, there needs to be, uh, we need to bring wildlife trade to an end. Um, there is really no safe way to deal with wildlife trade from a, from a public health standpoint, as we've seen that um, from the point of collect to the point of transport to the point of resale, the animals are in close contact to humans, are in close contact to each other, and those diseases that they carry can jump easily from one animal to the next and from humans. Um, if there's a, a broader array of studies that indicate that legal trade in wildlife has a very, very uh, important conservation impact. It is devastating a wide range of species. There's been uh, recent findings from the scientific community that have shown that we are now facing a mass extinction event affecting all the species and one of the key factors that are causing this mass extinction event is human exploitation of wildlife, um, including wildlife trade. And so it is now the cumulated impact of the public health risk and the conservation impact is making it more pressing for governments to address the crisis in that way. And when we talk about ending the wildlife trade, could you help our radio listeners visualize what that would actually entail? Like, whose bodies would stop being traded most often and who would stop consuming or profiting off of these individual animals? Well, I think when we talk about wildlife trade, we have to encompass uh, the legal trade and also talk about illegal trade, which is also having a very, very broad impact. Um, if you talk about ending wildlife trade, you need to deal with demand, ensuring that there is less and less demand for wildlife. Uh, wildlife markets themselves are unregulated or very poorly regulated. They mixed a bunch of specimens that are from legal origin or illegal specimens. It is almost impossible to distinguish between legally acquired specimens or specimens that come from illegal um, trade or illegal collection. And that the mere existence of wildlife markets as an impact on stimulating demand. And that is in addition to the fact that markets, of course, are not, uh, you know, provide a, a public health risk through the spread of zoonotic diseases and increasing welfare consequence for, for the animals. And so if you speak about trying to bring wildlife trade to an end, um, you need to deal with demand. You need to make sure that wildlife legal wildlife trade is stopped to not encourage demand. But you also need to deal with stronger enforcement, which if we close wildlife trade, enforcement is made easier because you don't have this problem as distinguishing what specimen is legal or illegal, and that has a, a very positive impact on enforcement. That's a, that's a great uh, angle that you brought up, that sometimes people could be trading like either living animals or dead animal body parts, and they're saying, oh yeah, we got this the right way, and then the consumer doesn't know, or doesn't know they shouldn't be buying that animal, that that animal's endangered. And what are some of the animals who are most often bought and sold, either dead or alive? 
And so if you, um, we Born Free USA runs programs in the West African region, which, is, which I direct, which has programs focused on tackling wildlife crime in West Africa. Mm -hmm. And in that context, we've been leading some wildlife crime threat assessment to gain a better understanding of, uh, of illegal wildlife trade and wildlife trafficking, because it is a threat that is very poorly understood. Um, in terms of the species that are most commonly traded, there is a broad range of species in a broad range of forms. Um, there are some highly, highly jeopardized species like African elephants, pangolins. Pangolins are like, they look very much like an anteater. We are yeah. talking about them quite a bit in the context of the COVID-19 uh, discussion since they might have been the intermediaries for this virus. Uh, but they're very, very, uh, they're much, they're hard to find and they're traded for their scales mostly um, and because they're now almost extinct in Asia the demand is now after the African pangolin species and so they're really the most trade the most illegally traded type of animal and they're almost coming to extinction all over the planet. We have also a lot of live animals, live birds, live primates for the pet trade and reptiles, a lot of big cat products. You would have like the skis, the teeth, the claws, the bones, yeah. uh, a lot of marine species like shark fins are in high demand for yes. trade uh, and also a very, very increasing amount of illegal timber trade, which is causing devastating consequences for habitats with large pieces of land being logged to the point where you don't really have forests anymore in some sections of West Africa. And of course, it's yeah. for demand all over the world, you know, from, from the US to, the, to Asia and Europe. And I, I understand also that um, there's been more of an issue with poaching now because of the COVID crisis. Um, and it's also put, so that means there's more uh, wildlife being killed, but also rangers' lives are being put in danger um, from an increase in the poaching that's happening right now. Yes, this is, this is the true reality of, of the type of syndicates that are involved in trafficking and in poaching. They're highly organized and they see every change as an opportunity to accumulate specimens for future trade. And so we've already getting reports from the field of an increase in poaching incidents, uh, an increase in trafficking with uh, seizures um, of, of pangolins even yeah. incidents. And, and we are really, um, the region in itself in the West African region is a region where enforcement is difficult by definition with porous borders and but if you talk about a context of confinement, a context where the authorities you know, are not necessarily allowed to continue with their enforcement activities or you know, communities are asked to stay home and all of that, it is complicated, it is just an opportunity for poachers to just continue and increase their activities. Another side of the coin is that less money is becoming available for the running conservation activities that are currently planned or occurring. So we are getting some um, some call for emergency calls for funding from sanctuaries, for example, which have to continue feeding their animals and everything, but they see the donors maybe dwindling as the people are trying to kind of understand the economic impact of COVID-19. And that's true also for uh, as governments are trying to plan their economic response to COVID-19, the risk is that there would be less money oriented towards conservation. And that is something which would have devastating consequences, including 
for the spread of future zoonotic diseases because as we've seen, zoonotic diseases are spread by animals being forced into proximity with each other and with humans. So if you have less conservation, you have smaller ecosystems, smaller habitats, then you increase the risk of further zoonotic diseases. So we can't afford as the world to be less vigilant on conservation. Yeah, I like how you put that explaining kind of the vicious cycle of how we might actually be if we think, oh, conservation is not important right now and we stop giving money and resources to that, then we're just actually adding fuel to the fire for future pandemics. So I thought that was that makes sense the way you described it. Um, Thank since, you. Yeah, since a lot of our listeners are from the USA and you're with Born Free USA, I wanted you to tell us the ways that those of us in the United States play a part in creating a market for wild animals and wild animal body parts. Like essentially, to what extent are we per, perhaps unwittingly even at times part of the problem? Yes, well, I think that it's, it's, um, it's a growing problem and it's, it's, you have like all of the, uh, all of the forms of, of animals in trade that are being trafficked, we can pretty much find on the US market. I was trying to go through the most recent seizures for 2019, which we're trying to keep, you know, kind of keep a list of, and, and they're just, they're just increasing. We, uh, I'm thinking of a seizure, for instance, of, of meat of green turtles in Texas that were just in September 2019, or um, live animals for the pet trades with like in August 2019, 200 common box turtles were seized in South Carolina. Um, we also found, uh, you also find uh, various um, medicinal products containing endangered species that are broadly found on the U.S. Market. There was a study that was led um, indicating that between 2004 and 2015, there are 26,000 pangolin products that were seized in the U.S. So those are, um, I guess, all of the various types of, of species and, and f that are trafficked and therefore in trade you find on the U.S. market or on the European markets. You also have an increasing. Uh, there is also needs to be increasing vigilance for the role. Of, of the United States for transit. And uh, there is a lot of transit uh, where, where you, you have some shipment that are cis that are transit, transiting from one area to another that have um, illegal wildlife in them. And I'm thinking here of, of studies that have been focusing on uh, fin trade, trading shark fins, where between 2010 and 2017, between a minimum of 591 to 701 metric tons of shark fins oh. were being exported and were passing through the US, which represents about 1.29 million sharks. Oh my roughly. gosh. That's so awful. it is just the scale of, of the trade is very concerning and it has to be um, it has to be tackled just kind of on the market level, but also at the transit level where you have to to make sure that you can stop traffickers all along the enforcement chain. Yeah, that's awful, that number that you mentioned about, because like for every shark fin, that represents one dead individual, because he or she can no longer survive without that fin. And you said there was over a million shark fins. Is that right? 
Yes, and you know, it's it's something which has been very um, exciting at Born Free USA. We've had a very, very positive collaboration with NOAA. Um, and, and the US government through the collaboration with NOAA has been funding a lot of uh, capacity building work in West Africa to facilitate the uh, fight against trafficking in shark fins. And so we've been running programs to support countries with the identification of shark fins, where we have a specialist from West Africa that goes to coastal countries and talks to customs officers, talks to port authorities, and, and as shark fins with them and teaches them how to identify uh, the, the species from which the fins have been uh, cut off and, and confiscated so that you can see if that was a protected species and it helps you know trying to see if you can arrest the person that is in possession of the fence and, and, and things like that. So it has been uh, something that has been very much on, on the US's list of priorities is providing support to West African countries with the enforcement of um, the prohibition to trade in um, shark fins. Oh, that's good to hear. Now, if you're just joining us on Radio Free Georgia, this is In Tune to Nature. I'm host Carrie Freeman interviewing Alice Stroud, Director of Africa Policy and Capacity Building at the Wildlife Advocacy Organization, Born Free USA. Their website is bornfreeusa.org, hashtag keep wildlife in the wild. Alice, this pandemic has created a transformative political moment, like a, a wake-up call for major change to prevent more devastating pan pandemics. What are some strategies for how we in the animal and environmental protection movement can work for needed change in this pivotal moment? Like at what is Born Free trying to do right now? Well, thank you. Um, I think one of the most important messages to spread is to really help everybody understand that it's really time for transformative change, a global nature recovery initiative is what we're promoting, where we are really, um, it is very important that, that the response to this crisis would not be limited to tackling wildlife trade alone. It is very important to stop wildlife trade. It is very important to close wildlife markets, but it's also very important to completely change our approach to nature conservation. As we've mentioned earlier, uh, the, the spread of zoonotic diseases is due to the fact that we are encroaching on uh, the habitat of the various species, causing them to be closer to one another, causing them to be closer to humans. And so we cannot just tackle this crisis by addressing wildlife trade and wildlife markets alone. We have to have very, very bold new objectives for nature conservation. And so from Born Free's perspective, the work that we're doing links, uh, of course, work on wildlife trade and wildlife markets uh, through various policies. We're also continuing and expanding our wildlife law enforcement work to fight against wildlife crime or equip countries uh, in developing their response to wildlife crime. But we are also promoting the expansion of the world's response to this crisis by launching this global nature recovery initiative and really insisting that governments should be as bold as possible. There's some very, very important upcoming international negotiations that are, that are going to be taking place early next year as part of the world community negotiating the post-2020 global biodiversity framework, which is a setup through which the, the, the world is setting goals for biodiversity for the next 
20 years. And in that context, we have a very, very strong opportunity to have targets, objectives that are going to be transformative for the world. And we really need to use this opportunity as the world is going to be defining what are, the, what are those targets for 2030, what are those targets for 2050. And we I, need to also increase funding for conservation and explore bold initiatives to do so with uh, the various debt relief programs, debt forgiveness, forgiveness program, and significant investment towards um, nature conservation, broad scale. Oh, I like the words you're using, like significant investment and bold, and this is our moment. I, I totally agree with that. Alice, we only have a minute left on the show, but if listeners are interested in getting involved in wildlife protection and ending the wildlife trade, what resources or actions would you recommend? Well, I think it's very important to help spread the word about the need to be bold for nature recovery. I would encourage everybody to, um, to encourage their decision makers to support closing wildlife markets, closing wildlife trade, and continue investment in conservation. And at Born Free USA on our website, we have a section of the website that is devoted to our response to COVID-19. And so we're we updating that section of the website um, regularly, and we hope to provide guidance on, on recommendations for action on that section of our website. So I invite uh, everyone to keep check on this. <laughs> yeah, and that's bornfreeusa.org, right? Yes, exactly. Okay, that's great. Well, that's the end of our show, but I wanna thank you, Alice, for being with us on Radio Free Georgia's In Tune to Nature program. We appreciate the important work you and your colleagues do at Born Free to promote compassionate conservation and as your hashtag says, to keep wildlife in the wild. So thank you. Thank you very much. And thank you for your show because you're playing an important role in encouraging you know, all of us as we're trying to tackle this from the conservation standpoint. Oh, well, yeah, thank you. I, I love doing this show and talking to people like you and other activists and scientists and authors who are part of the solution. So that's great. And, and to my, <coughs> my dog is excited too. And to my listeners, thank you for tuning in to In Tune to Nature, broadcasting every Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. online at wrfg.org and on Atlanta radio station 89.3 FM. We post action items and news and podcasts on the show's website, facebook.com slash to nature. I'm host Carrie Freeman. Take care of yourself and others, including other species. And please support independent non-commercial media like Radio Free Georgia. Thank you.